He's just got this drum kit and a fucking cello with loads of distortion on it, and one of his songs is just him going, Satan! Good day. Oh, good day. Fucking. <laughs> good day. <laughs> good day. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Temple of Blair podcast. Now, this is a weekly roundup of metal news and other rabbit holes that we like to jump down. Uh, I'm Jim, and with me is my co host, Raw. You right? Um, hey, up. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. You son? I'm all right, man. It's just been too fucking hot. Yeah, damn straight, mate. I'm sat here with no shirt on, in my pants, just like swaying so I can cool my send down. So <laughs> I went to went to the gym for the first time yesterday. I nearly passed out. I, had to, I didn't bring a water because I thought, ah, oh, I'll just go for a quick run, lift yeah. a few, you know, do a few squats, and then I'll just come home. But um, it was so hot. They had the whole shutter door open. Uh, <sighs> Try to get a through draft, and I ended up going to the um, sort of the gym sort of leader person Ali have you got a bottle of water <laughs> she's like fucking hell gym, dude it's not Pokemon there's no gym leader <laughs> what do you call him then the, the, oh, yeah. the gaffer the coach the owner the large bastard that tells you to wipe down all the fucking machines I don't know they've got a um, a 3 by 3 meter square for people to to um, mm. and, like stay in there don't look at each other get in your box don't look at each other yeah, squat rack per zone and it's alright that is actually now normally I'd complain about this but to me having your own squat rack in a gym that's just yours to use sounds fucking perfect it isn't a massive gym anyway so it's it's viable to do and she's limited the amount of you know people in attendance to be maximum six yeah so so it's just by chance that I've got my own but I had my own then yeah I too nearly passed out at the gym as well went down with a woman first time after holiday trying to burn off all the barbecue food and all the beer and shit and um, everything she was deadlifting I was doing um, 10 and I regretted that when I was pissing sweat out of my face by the end of it so mm. yeah fun times in hot boxes <laughs> so yeah that was um, the gym metal news as in gym if I've got my own way with this there will be lots more of that going on at some point yeah, I mean, what we should try and do is, as a as a podcast goal, is try and get Arno Core to um, yeah, fly drop some squat racks to right, need some them. advices. Yeah. Right, should we talk about some some metal news? That's yeah, let's actually talk about it was, Really, it's probably going to be like hard rock news and things like that. But I'd rather there was some scope. I was going to say metal and hard rock news roundup, but I think I should call it metal and let that scope creep into something. Mm. that might not be considered metal, rather than calling it hard rock and then going, well, Emperor, I've got a new album out or something well, like that. I think what we need to do is, we need to describe it the same way as I distri- describe it to people who are uh, joining the rock society at uni. They're like, what's the rock sock all about? What sort of music do you listen to? And it's like, oh, oh with a pair of bollocks and a guitar in it, we like it. There we go. Fair so, enough, we'll stop there then. So it's not so emo, it's bollocks. not Radiohead, but yeah, anyway. Speaking of bollocks, uh, there was a band last week from Iran that got uh, locked up for being too metal for the Iranian yes. authorities. Yes. Uh, they've now escaped Iran. They've How... escaped Iran? Yeah, they've escaped Iran. Um, and clearly they were just too metal for Iran. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they ran that, away. That, uh, that, is, um, that is not a bad thing to be because we know the only sort of... Um, 
fundamental religious order we want to live under is uh, one that's headed by Rob Halford. <laughs> oh, Matt, oh, what, who did the song The Church of Every Metal? And no, it's The Book of Every Metal, isn't it? Dream Evil. Dream Evil, that's it. Dream Evil, yes. Rob Halford reading from The Book of Every Metal every day. Done. Done. I'm there. Done. That's pretty good, though, because you occasionally hear about these things. Um, this is the thing that it cannot excuse your perspective, because in post-9-11 world, it was like, fucking hell, there's an Iraqi metal band, and they've been, mm. uh, they've been, you know, they're, they're getting chastised mm. by the community because they're a metal band. And this comes up every, like, two years. Or something. Yeah, 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 because it was on that um, global metal thing, wasn't it? The sequel to Metal Ed Banger's Journey, where he's going yeah. to, like, oh, where was it? Indonesia, I think, where they're all, where it's, like, a really strictly Muslim country and it's like mm, nah this is all devil stuff so it's like America was back in the 80s sort of thing mm. so they're having their 80s now which will mean there'll probably be some badass Indonesian glam rock knocking around and we will a bit of cock rock so I just think it's um the the, the highlights always on you know the, the sort of the fucking hell I can't find my words the Conjecture between there being a metal band and a fundamentalist society, when really we've done it, we've seen something like this happen so many fucking times that it's probably just, mm. we, should, we mm. should probably just start saying, I don't know, really, just it, it, it feels kind of disingenuous to say this is a metal band and they've somehow like gone away from the shackles of their, their uh, fundamentalist sort of setting and now they're, mm. they're running away. When really we should be just saying, oh, this is a kick ass band. True. You know what I mean? True. It's, yeah. it's, because everyone's sort of fighting something when it's metal, isn't it? So yeah. Everyone's trying to sort of up against it somehow. Yeah, you know, but and it's a better gimmick, isn't it, than some bands. It's kind of like, what's your gimmick, corpse paint? What's yours, fled a regime to be able to play music? Yeah. Who's more rebellious? Yeah. You know. There's that, and it's it's. <laughs> you'd think the more compelling aspect of it would be the fact that everyone, the entire world's on a fucking lockdown. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to establish a narrative about a. a, a a band fleeing a country. You want to say, mm. oh yeah, fucking the war hazmat suits to to escape authorities because <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah. what are these guys called? Uh, right, it's A R S A M E S. So Arsames. Yeah. So what we're saying is to everyone, go go check out Arsames. Um, if you got some space to put up a metal band fleeing a regime, put them up, give them some beers, you know, just have a laugh. Yeah. Well, the, the, the way this usually plans out is. Oh, the way it happens is this happens around about now which should put them on the bloodstock running for next year <laughs> yep Vicky, that, Vicky if you're happens. listening bang them on that's my that's my prediction oh no well yep Arsimez and also special request from me Vicky Ungerford ever listens to this Mr. Mark Alley, the king of rock and roll the one man band of death get him on the bloodstock lineup. get him on that party tent on a Thursday oh, is this like um, the British answer to Mambo Kurt no, 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 no. It's like um, me, 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 and the woman time um at Temple of Boom uh, a while back, and he's just this dude. He's this massive Belgian dude. With like, he's like Bill Bailey, but gone to fucking pot, and he's just got this drum kit and a fucking cello with loads of distortion on it. And one of his songs is just him going, Satan. <laughs> yeah, he's got a song called "Fuck Off and Die," which is nothing to do with the Dark Throne song, but it's still fucking badass. So how long um, did he hold down a set at Temple of Boom? Oh, dude, it was brilliant because we went to see Leached right in that. But the one even in the main room. We walked into the main room where we saw the mighty Anarchor twice. Um, the were in that room. I, I went in there. I'm like, dude, is there a is there a gig on? He's like, yeah, mate. It's in it's in the um, cooler. I think they call it. Props to everyone who went to the cooler. Um, 
But yeah, so it was right down back. Uh, we paid this money to get in, and it was just a fucking building site, man. There was like plastic tarp hanging down from the ceiling, breeze blocks and everything. And then leeched come on, and they were the perfect band to have in there, just all like stud stock still through the gig, strobe lights going off, and just heavy as fuck in this tiny room where you nearly melted. So we left that, and we thought, oh, we'll grab some rum and cokes, and we had this noise coming from this side room. We turn in, and it's just, dude, it's just this guy on stage with about six people watching him, like, what the fuck is this? And amazing. So Artemis can support him then, can't they? Artemis can support them, yeah. Um, I think he works for Kansas Stellar as well, so, yeah, cheap debt. It's the working economy. Yes, we used to not mm. get paid, and we just get a, tint, so a few tennies. Hmm. Yeah, dude, he is. Yeah, he, he works on that economy. He works on tinnies in the place to crash. So, yeah, give him, and he'd probably give you a cuddle as well. So, He's not. He's a, a true auteur. He is indeed. He is indeed. What's he called again? Um, he is. I'm probably butchering this wrong. So, any French or Belgian or all like that, um, I'm, I'm sorry because I got a C at uni. No, not uni. I did the French at school, dear God. Um, it's Mr. It's Mr. Markale, Mr. Markale, so it's Mr. and then it's M-A-R-C-A-I-L-L-E. He's the Heavy Freak Cello one-man band. Fair enough. I'm yeah. all in. All right, good. Good. You should be brilliant. Check him out as well. i got some good news for you, Dave. What's that? Five Finger Death Punch are getting a, uh, they're getting a, a feature, <sighs> feature film, your favourite band of the whole world. Oh, Five Finger Death Punch will be a segment all of its own. I have to collate my notes and squeeze my hatred into a, <laughs> a ball. The disdain for this band is so strong, it must take up no more than uh, 40 minutes. Or no, less I, than 40 minutes. I, I could possibly go off on a on a rant for 40 minutes, but yeah, if you um if you wear spiral direct shirts of the age of 13 and under the age of uh, 60, uh, your favourite band's got a uh, film out, so good for them. <laughs> Any, I, I, I don't know this band very well. Uh, any clues to the plot of this film? No, it's just, you know, I don't know the guy, I don't know the, the main honcho behind yeah. it, but it's, it's one of those personality-driven bands, isn't it, where where I know none of the music, but if I yeah. saw the guy, I'd be like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. It's, it's just him going, oh, yeah, we're doing a film, we've been busy in lockdown. And yeah, okay. I don't know what that means, but what the fuck could it... Yeah, I think I did actually see him many, many moons ago. Uh in Birmingham when they were supporting Lamb of God and Dimu, which was a fucking good gig, a- apart from that. The only thing I can remember is like one of them had like a beard da- a goatee down to the floor and that that was that was impressive. My only recollection of this band is two things. One, there's a guy called Shoy, which uh, we know from The Cooler. The Cooler in Halifax being a pub. Yeah. And he went to see them and he was really psyched about seeing them and then he got kicked out of the gig before they took the stage because he was sparking up in the venue. Yeah, that's one. And the second yeah. thing is, I saw a, a song by them, and in the song, they the singer goes "Hurrah," which is the, the Marines. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't even think I need to contextualize that, but I wouldn't give it its full uh, its full grace by going "Hurrah" because it's yeah. the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. And I thought, well, this is lame. I'm not listening yeah, to uh, this. Like I said, we will get into this at some point, but whatever I say about Five Finger Death Punch, I do support what they do for the vets. I support what they do for veterans. I am 100% behind all that. So whatever else I say about them, that's 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 my opinion on them. What do they do for the veterans? Uh, I shouldn't go down this rabbit hole, should I? We're going down this rabbit hole at some point, just just not today. This is a testy water thing, but you know, 
when I've got I some might, coffee. I might give him a listen. I might give him a listen. I think that some sure. American and some Swedish aren't. Oh, don't. All right. <laughs> I'll leave it out. Of <laughs> Okay. okay. Uh, another thing that came out this week. Uh, it was one of those um, one of those items that comes across your desk last last week where it says down of a massive announcement happening on Monday, and it was like, oh, here we go, here we go, and it's a gig. Yes. <laughs> it's just a show. They're doing a 25 year anniversary show, which was meant to happen. They're meant to do a, a bunch of shows and a bunch of festival appearances this year to celebrate yeah. their album Nola, which came out in 1995, uh-huh. obviously. Um, and now they're doing. A big streaming gig. Uh, the, the the tickets are on sale for nine dollars. Yeah. What do you make to these streaming gigs that are happening? Um, I haven't um I haven't watched any actually because uh, it it kind of makes me sad because I like going to gigs and rubbing up against other sweaty men. It's how I get my <laughs> kicks. So doing that in the safety of my own arm isn't 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 right. Um, yeah. The only one. I nearly watched uh, Mike from Scumface, who was doing a gig with Paul Taylor, the Paul Taylor Experience, but without the Knights of Experience. I think it was called Paul Taylor by himself, or something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, I haven't been I haven't been doing the streaming gigs. Um, I did actually culture myself a bit and watched the uh, theatre production Frankenstein with a uh, Beelzebub Cummerbund as as the monster in it. So if you want to see a long posh guy flapping around on stage naked for a quarter of an hour, give that a check out. <laughs> I um I saw the Trivium one. Yeah. Because they had a new album out in April and then they had all this all their stage production stuff. I think they've got their crew in a retainer, therefore they've got all the hardware mm. um sort of on retainer and in a warehouse somewhere and nowhere to use it because everything got canned. <clears throat> so they just went, let's just rent out an arena or like a venue mm. and let's just do it there and give everyone some work and it was actually pretty fucking good mm. nine dollars $9, and I was like nine dollars is a bit steep for a gig I'm not going to mm. but if it supports like the crew side of stuff then I'm all in yeah and it was, it was dead good like the stream quality was really fucking good and I had a few beers and I was like this is the, I actually, I'm yeah. actually having a good time yeah it is <sighs> but we can't we can't play games all day that's the problem because we can't say Oh, if they play this song next, I have to down a pint. You can't yeah. really do that. Yeah, yeah, the, it isn't blood red, is it? So, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not that. But yeah, streaming gigs. Looking back on it, I should have, I should have got involved a bit more with them. I feel bad for not doing it. So I think I'm just going to uh, buy more band merch to That's, make up for the yeah. fact that I didn't do that. So all the bands that are like that did gigs, um, I'm I'm really sorry, but I'll buy you a T-shirt and a couple of you a pint at a gig because I don't stretch to like four or five gig pints for anyone, let alone a band. So, I think yeah. there's a threshold though, isn't it? Because there's some people who are doing, um, I won't name names, but there's some people doing pretty low-caliber shit gigs mm. on, say, Facebook Live. And there's some people who are doing the proper thing by... Mm. rigging up and I, I, I won't make everyone fucking you know want to shoot themselves by going on about the production mm. side of stuff especially you yeah but oh, there's God. a way you can there's a way you can do it fucking properly and a lot of people don't yeah. want to do it properly but they still yeah. want to charge people five quid on a on a friday night to take their time and watch them do a shit version of um what yeah yeah it's, like, would... well, it's, 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 it's while it's on our side like would we pay to have that experience yeah. um so if, for example, the triggering experience I thought was pretty good, it was only like I think that was about eight dollars, and it's like, well, eight dollars, six quid. This is completely serviceable for what I'm trying to do, and I'm trying to support these people. But 
for your Joe Bloggs band, five quid on their side, they know they're not really delivering that value. It's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, di- it's a different. It's a different platform which you're trying to commune with people from. And yeah, yeah. I get. I get why they're doing it and stuff. It's just. I just. It just wasn't me. Me in a way because I. I don't know. I want. And I know this is you know being a bit of a dick about it, but I want. I want gigs. It, the, to me, it'd just be feeling like we're we're filming our practice session and then doing that weird thing that all live streamers do where after their attention's looking at other fucking comments and seeing other little arts go boo 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 or is, I'd rather just see a band and have them like gobbing my face or something I've had, a, I've had a weird experience with Twitch over the last few months because I've started since since I think the lockdown's kicked in I've been like fuck it let's just watch a bit of Twitch and let's see what's mm. on because I was on Twitch before watching a few gamers and now sort of the music's sort of taking off Matt Afey from Trivium again he does a really good one Yeah, because uh, it is literally him practicing talking mm. about the song, talking about gear, and he does engage with people and stuff like that, but there's oh. the other side, which is and I'm not obviously tarnishing everyone with the same paint here, but there's some female ones which are absolutely amazing musicians but they'll get mm. through a four hour stream and they'll get through two songs mm. because everyone is fucking like going out with like tips uh-huh. as tips, t- tips being like the money tips yeah love. you need to finger your guitar better is how you need to do it, you know, just move yeah, 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 so there's in so much I'll, I've, I've Either followed or subscribed to, and I'm like, yeah, she's a fucking good pianist, or she's a yeah. good guitarist, or something like that. And it's not just women; there's a load of other, yeah, um, a lot of people across the board. But there's a big bunch of them who get through 20 songs in a stream, and they're practicing, and there's, you know, there's that, and there's other ones who are clearly like, ah, right, she's not mentioned she's got a boyfriend, and there's a bunch <laughs> of lads on this chat who are throwing money at her. <laughs> it's like, oh, fucking hell. The first. I was going to say, is she? Are there Twitch musicians like uh, the Twitch gamer girls who may very well be very competent at games, but they seem to wear performance gaming clothing, which is a bikini? <laughs> yeah, I've got. I've, I think I've, it's like I think it's like an offshoot of that. Yeah, I've got hundred percent got no against that, but let's just let's just call it for what it is. It's kind of like you're staring at my tits while I'm playing an instrument. It's not. It's not a gig. It's, gig is it? it's not a gig. Gig. Yeah, it's this, like, is exa- this is exactly it. So it's kind of like it's, it's like the streaming platform, the streaming service, and the actual thing you're getting as a consumer is saturated to a point where sex is now involved. Yeah, in, in some more nuanced ways. Did my Eve get his tits out for you? Um, he always wears like a a sleeves cut off vest sort of thing, and you can always yeah. see a bit of nip. That's all right. So even my Eve is in on this game. Then all right, cool. A little bit, all yeah. Right. All right, fine. There's always this one guy on his stream that just says, "Show your feet." <laughs> but sometimes it'll go away and like um, I'll mess with an amp or something like that and his feet mm. will be on the camera and like, oh fucking hell yeah. his feet are in we got it lads but anyway down to doing yeah. a 25th anniversary show that yeah. should be interesting you know because I want to hear what Anselmo sounds like um, because when he came back to down mm-hmm. like in 2006 after he'd had his surgery and he's kicked the heroin Mm. He sounded like he sounded pretty good. It, it started off rough, and then when he came, sort of came back two yeah. tours later, sort of like 2009, yeah. that's when he started sounding proper on his game. That's when I saw him. Yeah, that's when I've seen him. And yeah, I was like, you know, it's, it's Phil Anselmo, man. His voice is one of them where you, you listen to Pantera as a kid, and you're like, dude, that's heavy as fucking stuff. But then you listen to fucking. And I, you listen to Cemetery Gates and you're like, wow, this guy's a good singer. Then you listen to the down stuff and it's like, dude, this guy's a good singer. And he pulled it off live as well. Yeah. I mean, 
Those those yeah. first like legs from like ninety five, ninety six are fucking incredible. Yeah. Have you heard this um dark country blues band? Uh this southern man with his ex wife. No. Ooh, oh, have you heard that? that? No, they're um I'm just finding out what they're called. It's something like on blue or something like that. Oh wait, um oh, on in... oh, I know what you mean. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. On fucking hell, right? <laughs> Message in if you know what this band's called. Yeah, I'm on minor. On minor, that's him. Yeah, I've not I like heard this. It's it's good. It's 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 me and that man with Phil Anselmo in a way, but kind of not. It's more sort of like Norlands. Yeah, because Phil loves his Norlands. Southern Isolation is the one I was referring to. Oh, okay. I've... I, I never did find a recording of his black metal band as well. Which one's his black metal band? It's called Ebion, I think, or I I uh, E I B O N. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ebon uh, was a was a very short-lived supergroup which Anselmo participated in from '98 to 2000. The group featured Killjoy, Fenris, Satya, and Maniac. That's oh. it's like Suicide Squad, isn't it? Uh, the project has been put uh, on death hiatus, and to date, there's only been a single track, Mirror Soul Jesus, which appeared on Moonfog 2000, a different perspective compilation in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Satya from Satyricon, then. That is, and uh, Fenris from Dark Throne, whose um, uh, Old Star was one of my albums of last year. Oh, shit. Because it's fucking brilliant. You've got an album of last year. I've got I've got several albums of last year, actually. Yeah. We should do we should do an awards. I think we should definitely do an. We'll go on about this about the bless and what the bless are and what yes. we should. Like, yes. Because I think we should do some bless awards and give the proper shout outs and the proper recognition to the bands that aren't afraid to bless. This That's is the yes, the thing. bands that the bands are not and and Dark Thrones old star is. Yeah, I'd say that's a bless, definite bless. Yeah. We'll discuss the rules in a bit. Anyway, I'm, I'll probably check out that down show. It's at the end of this month, so like your 29th, 28th okay. of August, something like that. That might be worth. That might be worth. I don't know if it's with the original lineup or it's going to be with that sort of bastardized lineup towards the end where Rex Brown left. Got the old, yeah, yeah. Because um, I think after like three years, everyone just kept dropping off and they got other people in. Not that that's a bad mm. thing, but no. you want you want to see Pepper Keenan, don't you? Not doesn't get Pepper Keenan. Yeah, who um. Crowbar were fucking good live when I saw them at Elfest, I think. They've had a, a new album out last year. Yeah? yeah? Is it an album of the year? Um, I didn't give it a proper good listen. I only listened to the singles that they had on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Proper, but they're consistent, though, with Crowbar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jim, those, like Mo, gonna, it's not really a bad one. No, I'm going to have to be really professional now and uh, go for a piss. So if you want to talk about the next news item, I'll just uh, I'll just join in. Oh no! I need I need your help with the next one, but I'll talk about Martin Birch. I'll skip one here. Do you talk about Martin Birch because that's a production thing? So I think you'll be better. Yeah, it's a but we're doing this true Joe Rogan experience style. Someone's nipping off for a piss mid podcast. Going <laughs> <laughs> to pull that up. Right. Okay. So uh, last week it was also announced that uh, Martin Birch, who was responsible for some of the more key uh, new wave British heavy metal albums in the seventies and eighties, had passed away at seventy one. Um, and there's not really a hot take on this because it's obviously sad that someone's passed away, but the thing I like to bear in mind is that he retired in the early 90s after Fear of the Dark came out by Maiden. So he's spent 30 years milling about enjoying retirement uh, and probably reaping in all the royalties of um, some of the best rock albums 
of last century. But it is a bit of a, a gutting experience that we're not going to get that retrospective narrative that we sometimes get in on, on YouTube these days. Like you'll see Steve Albini, who's responsible for some of the uh, some massive albums in the last few decades. You'll see uh, Brendan O'Brien and uh, Rick Rubin, and there's kind of a masterclass uh, culture around those guys talking about their craft and talking about what they do and how it influenced those particular records that they put out. And we're not going to get that with Martin Birch, which is fucking shit. But I'm pretty happy that he spent 30 years retired. <laughs> cool. I've just got back from that, so cheers. Oh, you missed it. it was just, yeah, I said everything I was going to say about that. Basically, um, he spent 30 years retired and he's, he's probably had a good one, but he's kind of missed the boat in terms of like your your masterclass uh, culture with, you know. Mm. All the producers these days like to, like to document their process and like to talk about... Um, Everything they've used used to do, like Steve Albini and, and stuff like that, but you're not going to get that with him. And so there's going to be DVDs like, out and shit like that. There's going to be like this slice of knowledge from um, back in those days, which is now just dead in the water. I mean, I think Maiden had a few sort of how the hell this album was made DVDs out, which I'm sure he features on. But I think it's one of those where yeah, uh, it's not extensive. There's not going to be like a YouTube series. It's just two hours of them isolating Bruce Dickinson singing tracks and looking at outtakes where he threw chairs across the room and shit like that. Yeah, just watching the tabs pile up in the ashtray and shit and how many different European lagers they can sink in a session this and all that, yeah, yeah. all that good stuff all that good stuff that you don't get in these modern production videos because that's uh, that's not the way things are done these days is yeah, it yeah because like, we've just seen the era of like grainy 80s black and white pictures from album cycles like mm. that was like your bit well, that's, that was your b-roll while someone talks over how an album was recorded that's kind of behind us now we're getting a bit more productive in terms of substance <laughs> when people talk about the production process and I kind of like that and yeah. now you can't do it, which is shit. Yeah, no, no more of the uh, sort of like, ah, oh, the, the hell, the oh god, I don't know what the track's called, but it's the DH1's classic albums where they're going, well, yeah, you know, the production values of this record were amazing, and oh, the catering, you know, that, and, and I like, I like stuff like that. So yeah, yeah it used to be more of, more of that. There's a great one. Um, that, I know I keep going on about Maiden, but they did something called, and you fucking, I'm going on about, about again. Maiden. It's called something like Behind the Beast, and it was with. It was uh, like a supplementary piece to, I think it was On Vivo, which is a live album from 20. Yeah, yeah, And it was basically like an hour of them talking about the logistics of getting the, the whole um, stage show into the back of a plane. That's, and, uh, that is some serious roadie porn there. To all the uh, uh, it's, it's stage group roadies out there, you know, if you need some wanky material, Jim's, Jim's got you sorted. There's this great bit where um, it's like, it's not Rod Smallwood, it's like the production manager is in Indonesia. And it's like, well, we needed um, we needed uh, the power source, and here it is. And it's just like, it's not even in a box. It's just like some brown metal sticking out of the ground <laughs> with uh, reels and reels of cables leading from it. And just yeah. a bunch of fucking lads scratching their heads. <laughs> I love that. Um, I can't remember which Maiden tour it's from, but it's whichever one they did where they did it in that fucking temple or somewhere. And it's just all the sound engineers stood around going, right, we need to position these speakers in weird places because otherwise it's just going to echo around this place. And it's like, dude, that's just that's just awesome. It's not, I, oh, I it's not just a thing of like, oh, we'll bang a one in each corner because that's what we always do. Like, no, we've got fucking temple columns so all these dudes in the middle of the fucking jungle can enjoy Iron Maiden. It's like... Argh! I can't remember the guy's name, but the again, fucking going down the rabbit hole. It, it, he invented the sub vortex, which is basically uh, placing um, all your sub speakers in a kind of vortex shape to uh, basically maximize uh, the 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 air well the area in which it's going to cover. 
And that's what they call the sounding. It's called the fucking vortex. The fucking vortex. And that's what they rise above. So you got the risers. Um, fucking call, no, the uh, the relays that uh, sort of hang from the roof. And then you got the subs that are on the floor. But obviously they made some of those subs airborne and put them in a vortex, like a tornado position, to get yeah. as much out of it as possible. So not everyone, everyone on the floor is getting the same as everyone in the seats and vice versa. Which is that's all Maiden. That Maiden is. are pretty much like the industrial light and magic of fucking metal gigs. Jim, I think I think we might have to do a Maiden special at one point, which is just an hour of us just talking about our experiences of Iron Maiden and just generally jizzing all over Iron Maiden. I think it warrants its own infographic. You know how like yes. when um, when Star Wars was made and it led on to all these different things with Skywalker sounds, I- ILM and all yeah, these yeah. wonderful yeah. things. There's this great infographic where it's like. Starts with Star Wars and then it goes into raids, and then it sort of branches out. And there's a lot of Spielberg works which obviously innovated on the work that started with Star Wars. And it basically traces everything that we see now in, uh, in films back to Star Wars and how it innovates. I think that something could be done there yeah. from a technical perspective on Maiden. And I'm not talking about like Headbanger's Journey, which is, you know, this yeah. influence, this influence, this, this influence, this. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. like, right. How do we get the entire rig on it? No private jet for the band. It's yeah. a massive fucking seven four seven full of gear. Yeah. It's, like, it's a different. It's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's anyway. That's mine, Birch. That's mine, Birch. What's next um, on the uh, agenda, Jim? Next one. Did you know your favorite man in the world, Corey Taylor, has a solo album coming out? Uh, that was my reaction as well. Yeah. Cool. I mean, this is what I, I get with Corey Taylor. This is sort of my, perspe- my, my sort of perception of him. He's pretty much, you know, when you go to school, like you go to high school for the first time, you're sort of like, yeah. not necessarily out of your comfort zone, but you sort of, there's there's a lot of different influences, a lot, a lot of different things going on with different people, things yeah. that were like exposed to before. And yeah. there's always a subset of people with who are absolutely dressed to the fucking nines in Nightmare Before Christmas garb. Yeah. Yeah, I never related to those people. No, the, and I the never really understood types, it. The striker types and the Jack Skellington jumper. Yeah, this is it. Now, that's what Corey Taylor is to me. It, there's just a sort of like weird sort of cultish uh, this cult yes. sort of circle around him where everyone just sort of unaccountably loves him. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it just it. I just don't know how it happened. I don't know what his appeal is, what? which sort of like leans towards this individual. So, I think where it comes from is and I'm just describing my own ill-informed opinion here as I uh, do with everything but it's like the first two Slipknot albums where for our generation that was pretty much the heaviest thing you would heard at that moment in time Yep. and it's like oh my god Slipknot heavy as fuck like you listen to it back today like eh it's got some good riffs I see what they were doing it was different but it's is it heavy as fuck? No. No, there were far, far more heavier things out there. And then he sort of like, you know, then there was all this aura about him and then the mask sort of like came half off on that one album and then it was like fully off a stone sour. We've got, you know, get inside in that 20, 2150. They are, they are awesome night out um, metal club two in the morning tunes. Bang them on when I've got a couple of pints and rums down there. I am fucking there for them too. But then after that, it's just been sort of a... Eh, yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. He's had, this, he's had this impact on sort of like some things, but not impact enough to go, oh my God, Corey Taylor's got a 
solo album out. It's, I think yeah. there was like a there was a sensationalist um, narrative on sites like Ultimate Guitar and Blabbermouth and even the you know like Loudwire and stuff like that where Corey Taylor thinks this. Mm. And it was on about fucking everything. And I think this is the same trap that Nickelback fell into because Nickelback aren't really a bad band. They're just completely overexposed and saturated that everyone fucking hates them unaccountably. Uh, but the so thing with Nickelback is no one no one ever plays their best song. You hear it very, very rarely. Which is that we're going out tonight. We do oh, the time. That was beautiful, Jim. Jim. That one's awesome. It's the one with the good riff. That's the only good riff they've got. Every, all the thing, <laughs> no, they all sound that Dave. <laughs> my my last is well into Nickelback, and I, I keep having to sort of like fight myself like from ruining it from a for because I'm just it's but all of it is well, just like well you've done it now, Jim. Done it now. It's about how Chad Kroger's going out and getting laid when he's not, and we know he's not. You know he's not, and that's why people hate Nickelback. It's a complete fallacy. Or do you think people hate Nickelback because, once again, our generation, Jim, it was banging Avril Lavigne and we all wanted to bang Avril Lavigne. Yeah, there's probably some resentment there as well. Yeah. Like I said, I don't even think they're a bad band in Nickelback, but I just think they were overexposed and it, everyone was fucking sick of them. Like, I I can't t- tell you how many times I've fucking heard that rock star song. <laughs> oh, yeah, that so, one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's just too much. And so now they're kind of... No one really... I don't think people hate Nickelback. They're just put in the no pile. Yeah. Would, you know what would I mean? the... With that Nickelback song, um, what what's that end line? Is it like that today's new zoo? Is that what it says? Because I can never I can never figure that one out. Uh, um, check the dictionary for today's new new zoo. That's what, that's what I heard, and I I I was always thinking, is Zoo magazine really one of the perks of being a rock star? Because <laughs> there's far better porn out than Zoo magazine. So you've talked about the Playboy Mansion, yet your preferred reading is Zoo. <laughs> he likes football, mate. Yeah. He likes the um, he likes the Ronaldo comics. Fair enough. <laughs> Was good, no. I think there's I think there's like an analogy, or I think there's a link here with how I perceive Corey Taylor. I don't hate Corey Taylor in any capacity. I think he's a great singer. I think he does a load of good stuff. But I think there's yeah. a following around him, which is separate from everything he's done, which doesn't mm. seem tethered to anything, and I don't know why it's remarkable. I just don't see what I don't see the appeal. He's not tethered. Corey Taylor's floating fans. He's just got his fucking swarm of fucking goth lasses in fucking Nightmare Before Christmas gear, just floating <laughs> around to anyone. Time. You keep talking about maggots, and then I'm like, oh, not for me, not for me. But this is the, this is now this is where I'm going. I'm going to bring this train into the station. Okay, cool. So if you listen to the two songs he's put out. He's yeah. obviously just leaning towards those people. He's now found like an outlet where he can just lean towards that thing. Mm. I think on his own, he's not a, he's not a terrible musician or anything like that. He writes some pretty good songs, but it's all fairly middle of the road, sort of like we're tin- mm. moving on to hard rock here. It's not really a metal thing. But yeah. I think in response to this thing that's happened around him where he's become like the highlight of, of, of you know, fucking everyone wants to be Beetlejuice. Everyone wants to be Beetlejuice. Everyone wants to be fucking Beetlejuice. His response is 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 effectively right. Okay, I'm going to pull a a Kevin Smith here, and I'm going to build a bunch of shrines to myself. And that's what. (laughs) If you listen to this first song, it's called Kevin Smith movie. Is that what we're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I forgive Kevin Smith because he was like he for that. I mean, this is that was a movie Bob quote where he said Kevin Smith builds a little shrines to himself, and I'm like. 
Yeah, but I, I wouldn't put it as callously as that because, to be fair, he, he created like the Askewverse. He did it himself. He is the archetype. Mm-hmm. Like, Iron Maiden mm-hmm. can wear spandex if they want because they fucking started doing it. Yeah. Um, point being, I think he's leaned into that kind of like uh, that cultish thing around him and he's built a shrine to himself. And now that's what's coming through with the music for me. If you listen, like the first song is put out, it's called CNFT, Cannot Be Stopped or Must Be Stopped or something like that. So it's Corey Motherfucking Taylor Must Be Stopped. Yeah. It's like giving yourself a nickname, mate. It's just a, re- it's just a bit fucking. It's too much. And I, I, I heard, I heard the first like it must have been thirty seconds of the song, and I was like, this is just way too fucking. Yeah. Much. It opens with a wicker wicker. It opens with a fucking wicker wicker like Limp Biscuit. Oh and right. The video is just. Oh dude. He's got all his celebrity mates to you know do little cameos and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm it's intrigued. just a bit full on. It's just a bit full on. And then he's got another song which is like one of those lyric videos from 10, video, uh, 10 years ago, which was like just nice graphics and like, yeah, like I was saying earlier, like grainy fucking studio shots. Yeah. Um, and that, that one's not too bad. That's more in the Stone Sour vein. So I think he's just leaning straight into that. He's gone yeah. straight into, right, well, Slipknot sound is kind of this. Stone Sour sounds kind of this. Oh, what do I do when all of these influencers are completely out of it? But all these people seem to love this idea of me. What is me? And then this is these songs seem to be answering that, trying to answer that question. And I'm not <laughs> shitting on him for it. It's just, it just, it just, it's just. At, yeah, I feel like it's like at risk of pissing me off. Yeah, it, it just sounds like that um, Family Guy little bit where it was something about I can't remember the lead up, but it was something like oh, Julia Roberts. It's, it's, no, 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 it, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. The Julia Roberts bit where she's like, "Many people died in the flood, but I'm still alive." Me. I've got a better one for you. Is when Peter, Peter doesn't like the Godfather because it insists on itself. Did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> it insists on itself, Lois. It should have come out last year when Joker was out. It would have fucking. Yeah. He would have got the his audience in the fucking palm of his hand there. Oh, dude! But Joker was a good film though. It was good. I think it was. Yeah, it insisted on itself. Did I think it, it was again production side. I think everything really fucking worked. Mm. I think people, a lot of people thought it was about. Oh man. Um, fucking this guy's shit on and all the time, and he's the perfect villain and all this stuff. It's actually yeah. it's more about it was more about society and sort of like breaking free because he was on drugs the entire time. As soon as he wasn't on drugs, he became more productive. Yeah. I say more productive. He was like acting in accordance with how he he saw yeah. the world. He realized he was being fucked over. He only killed people that were shit to him. You know what sure. I mean? He wasn't he wasn't like this agent of chaos bullshit. He was just he just killed people. He just. He attacked, he attacked his attackers and it's like everything works that way. That everyone sort of thought it'd be like this incel rising riot thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that. I like that how he kind of like pulled the rug, how it was, yeah. It, yeah. it was pushed as an incel's fucking anthem and it ended up being... Yeah, 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 I get My, my shit opinion anyway. There's yeah. people far more qualified to talk about that than me, but that was my takeaway. Yeah, this is this is not a film podcast, but whatever. It is not a film podcast. Whatever. It is a, a Corey Taylor must be fucking stopped or Stop. whatever <laughs> Stop Corey Taylor. That's that's what we need to do. Yeah, but I'm, I hope I hope he has plenty of success with this fucking absolute cavalcade of fucking mad songs. I'm sure he'll do fucking what's this from Nightmare on Elm Street and, and that one. <laughs> <laughs> what's sure this from Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. The thing is though, he'll always win points with me for um, Corey Taylor because I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, the guy from Imagine Dragons like put out a proper emotional statement about you know when people call my band shit it really it really negatively affects my mental health and Corey Taylor just comes out of the woodwork saying fuck off pal I've been at this for 21 years no one c- has taken me seriously and be called <laughs> sick, like, 
everyone under the sun and you can't stand one year of being of people being sick of you on car adverts you piece of shit yeah uh yeah so it, imagine dragons are just yeah it's just yeah. any any the doctors have dragon in their band now i don't like sighing like in a public sort of like setting when someone mentions a band because i don't think it's really fair for me to completely shit the band but i'm just i can't get behind it and i'm exhausted by the music Mm, true, true. Okay, Jim, I think what we should do now is I think we should move on to describing uh, Blair. You think we should go straight into it? I think we should go into the Blair because time is of the essence. Okay. Right, okay, so this is the thing. So I've called the, it, it was my idea to call this, this podcast Temple of Blair. Uh, and it's because I just sort of fetishize this particular uh, <laughs> highlight of, of, of certain uh, heavy music where. Someone can't think of a lead-up to either a breakdown or a solo or something like that, so they just go, Bleh! and I think that's pretty fucking good. And I think yeah. it's, it's a good lead-up to certain bits, and I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, and I I love a good bleh. I think I think bleh's have their place along with the ooze. It's like the bleh's and the yeah. ooze that needed to be. And there's a demo song, like I said, and I still, I still can't remember which is it one insorti- it is. Is it Insorted Diabolique? No, I swear it's on Death Call. Yeah, there is a, a, a blair on that one. There is a blair on that, but the one on Death Cult ends with him going, blah, 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 blah. Like so, yeah. I think my, um, got, we need to like, think of like the favourite blairs uh, throughout Dude. throughout the years. Dude. I think one of my favourites has got to be that municipal waste, though. Municipal waste, um, chemically altered. Yeah. Absolute fucking brutal blair on that. Yeah. Uh, what are the rules of the blairs then? So there's some like, you know, I think it, like in, fuck, in fucking Hostile by Pantera. Yeah. Um, Vince, is, is it a Blair if it's a name? Oh, yes. Because could you replace it with Blair and it still has the same effect? You could do, but yeah. I think it, it's it's doing the same thing, isn't it? That's mm. what it's doing. It's just saying Vince because probably Vinnie Paul didn't get a lot of love at that time. Yeah. It was the 90s, no one could Google it. Yeah. This one, yeah. it was that lad. Oh, who cares? <laughs> he's not got scared. he's just wearing a bandana yeah it's, it's, it's some chubby guy and he's a drummer you know the one anyone the, can do that chubby guys who play guitar like Ingvi Malmsteen like on the vulgar videos but hey hey this guy likes donuts fuck off who are you get away from me yeah that's what we want where was he going with that oh yeah is there anything isn't a Blair I'm trying to like I'm trying to like draw some sort of boundary so that when we're sort of talking about Blairs which I'm sure we're going to do it in fucking spades yeah, I don't want to start. I don't want to start bringing in a bunch of fake blaze. I think. I think. I think. If I think the blaze and ooze are very different. Mm. Yeah. They serve the same purpose, but a blaze is obviously a blah, whereas an ooze is like ooh or ooh or ooh. You know, it's, it's different. It serves the same purpose, but it's but it's different. Yeah. What I about? Go on. Right. So we we said it's not an ooh, but. Oh god, I'm gonna kill myself for this. But that Fear Factory song where it starts off with "ha" is a "ha" a blare or is it an "ooh"? I think if it's leading up to, a, well, this is the thing because blares are usually leading into a solo or a breakdown or something sort of like. Ah, this is the start of the section. song. This is the, the start of the song. Yeah, I don't see why not. And I forgot what's. You know what's not a blare? I can, you know, in um, "Drag the Waters." Yeah. And there's that big uh, sort of breakdown 
And he goes, I don't think that's a, that's something else. No. That's a, that's a hair. That's a hair. Yeah. That's a hair. It's not, it's not bridging things really. It's taking a lead. Yeah. So it's taking a lead in that movement in the song. Yeah. So we're we're forming the theory here that a blur is a sound that is the lead that immediately precedes a breakdown or a solo. Is vocally, it's a percussive tool used to bridge uh, certain sections of a song. Okay. Certain sections. Okay. So that's that's about that's vague enough, isn't it? That's vague enough. Yeah, it's vague enough for us to use for whatever purposes we deem fit, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. So I'm glad we. So we should fucking scour, scour this year's releases for Blaze. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we should. I, what we should definitely do is like have like an award ceremony at the end of the year mm. where we don't notify anyone, but we make like these shit awards. Mm. Uh, we send them out to to folks. Send them out. I think, yeah. So like Blair of the Year, most fucked over ex band member of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Narrowly escaped death. No. Temple of Blair Award from <laughs> most narrowly escaped. Yeah, the most try-hard local band. <laughs> Shit, shittest t-shirt. Oh, that would be a beaut. <laughs> right. So anyway, that's what this podcast's about. Really, yeah. it's about metal and just little rabbit holes like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we've actually just got time for our uh... our feature for the day. A uh, little feature of the day, yeah. We've done the news and we've got a um, feature for the day, which is um, tribute bands. Yeah, I'm kind of... Yeah. Uh, this is kind of just off the cuff because I work <laughs> with tribute bands quite a lot. And I think by experience, you've just seen more compelling ones that I'd like to see because I've worked with um, your mainstay sort of... Fat, I'll call them family bands. Yeah. I'm not going to name the people I work for, but... Um, it's fairly sort of middle of the road. Whereas you've seen a Motorhead tribute, and I'm like, that's fucking good. Oh, yeah, yeah, Motorhead, they are. If you ever get to see Motorhead, go fucking see him. It's like Levy's prison from the grave. I think my mate is mates with the guitarist. Like, my mate from, from Bring Out's, like, like, one yeah. of the best mates from youth is, like, good mates with the guitarist. So I think I'm going to yeah. exploit that when we're back gigging. Yeah, they were cool. And um bit back, I saw... Oh, God. Uh I've forgotten, I've absolutely forgotten the names, but I saw a brilliant Black Sabbath and Judas Priest tribute band um, right. January this year. They were they were cool and they had a spot on. The guy was like Aussie on stage. Off, you know, In between songs, he was doing his spot on Aussie impression and his Aussie impression was spot on. What was cool about that is you had like Sabbath songs, but then you also had Aussie songs as well. And it was like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Did the, this is the thing, this is what I've, this is kind of what I wanted to get into. So, like, what matters to you? Is it kind of authenticity? Or is it just a good time? Because <sighs> you, could, I, you could have a good time with a Black yeah. Sabbath trip with a guy who doesn't sound like Ozzy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then it's, I think if you're going to do a tribute band, you have to dive in and devote yourself 100% to being the best version of yourself. Nah, it's not that sort of podcast. Uh, The best version of that band you can be, because if you're not going to do that, you may as well write your own music than just be... It's that difference between a band that writes its own music and doing a cover or two to, you know extend your set out when you're when you're younger and then you're dropping all the covers once people know your songs and then tribute bands you've got to be a tribute to that band so it's not it's not 
to the extent of the film Rockstar, where they're like, oh, this tour outfit's wrong, that jacket's from the 86 tour, and it wasn't actually, did, 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 you know, not, not that shit, but, you know, if, if you're doing it, you have to sort of, like, vaguely look like, like that um, DC band we saw, where it was like um, Peter, Kay, yeah, Peter K, Angus Young. That was ace. Yeah, it, was, it sounded really good, but this is this is it, isn't it? Because there was this barrage because a uh, discrepancy, it kind of because Angus Young was seven feet tall, but the Brian Johnson was bang on. He was <laughs> the Brian Johnson fat. was bang on. Yeah, yeah. fucking ace. Even like tipping his hat. And, and and he did and he shuffle. did and he did the Brian Johnson in between the songs as well, didn't he? He did the branch in between the songs. What do you mean? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he spoke Johnny. Like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, oh, he did that. He's yeah. like, oh, you pet. We're here. We're fucking This is it. But this is it because that's bang on. But I'm kind of like on the other side because the guy, I, the guys I work with, um, is a Queen tribute. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit touching. I say touching go. It's not touching go at all. But in terms of the the uh, com- uh, the composure, what's the, who's in the band, the actual membership of that band, there's a Brian May, which is bang on Brian May. Every single way is bang on. Mm. There's a John Deacon, which is about there. Forgivable. Mm. Uh, the drummer is an overweight version of, of um, Roger Taylor, but his <laughs> voice is bang on. But mm. Freddie, and Friday. this thing, it's all about Freddie, isn't it? It's, everything's mm. all about Freddie. And uh, our guy, Claudio, is really good he, but he doesn't sound exactly like freddie no but he comes from the same sort of path as freddie in that he was like yeah. an opera sort of singer yeah he's a showman he's everything and i think yeah. they're tons better than other tributes i've seen where the freddie is immaculate mm. because i think this is the thing because if you try too hard to emulate the act itself people are going to judge you on those merits so if yeah. you do have your exactly the same lemmy and he's come out, he's got a fucking war on, he's got a long hair, he's got everything. But he mm. misses, you know, he, he, the accent is, he, you find out he's a scouse and you mm. can hear it in his voice that he's a scouse. <laughs> which isn't a good example, actually, because um, he was from Stoke, wasn't he? So there might be a little bit in there. But Could possibly he, be a little bit, yeah. He fucking just comes out and he starts completely murmuring in a, in a, in a really safe uh, scouser accent. Yeah. That, that'll kill it. Yeah. I think. But if he didn't try it in the first place. Hmm. I don't, I'm not saying like he should have short hair and he shouldn't look like I mean in any way. He should dress mm. the part. Yeah. Mm. If he's not trying too hard, it's easy to break the illusion and it's easy to sort of like deal with it on its own merits. And I think yeah. that's what these Queen guys do because, like I say, he's, he's fucking brilliant, is Claudio, but he doesn't sound exactly like Freddie. And no. I think when that comes out, um, when he comes out, and it's it's you know he's still doing the movements, but he's speaking mm. in an Italian accent in between songs and things like that, and he fucking mm. it. like he emulates like the live at Wembley set. I think yeah. people are judging it on a different merit than they would have done if it was an exact replica in every capacity. Yeah, true, true. But uh, I think uh, it's it's one of these where it's like I said, but to be judged on that, because I've seen this band before and they are shit hot. It's like mm. if everyone's got to be spot on, though, aren't they? And you can, it, yeah. you can forgive, oh, you can forgive the Freddie Mercury with an Italian accent. It's like the, the speaking in between sets is just the icing on the cake. It's like if that, you know, Brian Johnson wasn't, you know, Brian John. You know, it didn't sound like Brian Johnson in between stuff like that. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, cool, whatever. He, he bangs on the ground. Oh yeah, it's brilliant band. It's like it sounds exactly like Brian Johnson when he sings, and it wouldn't diminish from, it wouldn't diminish that much from the experience. And still go check these guys out. These guys are badass. But I think it adds that, that little extra spice sort of thing. And it's, is yeah, yeah. I guess it does because I mean, it depends on what we're aiming for, though, isn't it? Because like. 
an ACDC tri- uh, tribute would be really difficult to emulate ACDC in the exact same capacity. It just mm. would be really tough if they were, if that's what they were going for. Mm. But uh, Anthrax would be quite as hard, for example, Anthrax, because you need a skinhead, mm. you need a tall bass player with long hair, Joey mm. Belladon, you just need an operatic kind of singer, somebody who's got yeah. that range. And yeah, there and everything's sort of like doable. Yeah. But yeah. when there's something which is so unique, like an ACDC or a Queen, Mm. you've got to, I think you've just got to pull the rug from yourself a little bit and then sort of expose yourself as, you know, we can't do the exact same thing, but mm. I can, we can still have a, you know, we can still, yeah, yeah, do, we could do a really good job, but let's not try and trick you. In a way, yeah, but people go to those things because they want to be tricked, don't they? It's like going to see a magic show. It's like you appreciate all the talent put into it, but you get that he's not he's not soaring that woman in half. Like you appreciate really? all the talent, that, yeah. You appreciate all the talent that's gone into the tribute band, but you know it's not that band. But they've done their best to do it, and the more they do to be that band, the more it adds to the experience. Yeah, I did see a Pearl Jam tribute, which sounded bang on. Mm. Like just fat Irish dudes. Yeah, and that's. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. That's I think that's the problem with like labeling yourself a tribute band. You have to live up to sounding and looking like the band because mm. you know people aren't gonna say they were. They'll go, oh, they were good musically, but you know, oh, if you shut your eyes, it's like being at you know so and so's gig. But then when you're operating like you said, instead of you know Eddie Vedder being you know a fat American dude, you've got a fat Irish dude. It's <laughs> you know, it just it spoils the effect really, doesn't it? Because you can tell them both by looking at them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to I need to like make the effort to go and see some proper mm. metal tributes. I reckon there's no money in that fucking game, but it's a, it's, it's it's purely a passion of fucking love. Yeah, and the passion one because there's um oh god there's oh no well that hey no we 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 have seen a metal tribute bands that went on to make money, Jim. Oh, metal militia. Metal militia, yes. Yeah. Metal militia who then went on to become evil. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that's to your previous example, wasn't it? Because they started with covers and then they started working towards. Yeah, exactly. They started with covers and then, you know, yeah, they started off as a Metallica tribute band and they got cool. We're good at Metallica. People like us. Let's do his own shit. And mm. yeah, fucking end of the grave appeared. Yeah. 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 So yeah, tribute bands. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, but then there's always that. Like I said, there's always that little. Oh, there's always that little niggle in in my mind sort of thing where it's like thinking, you're doing this thing which is awesome, but what could you have done if you'd have done your own stuff? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean I'd never, I would never get, maybe I've worked with too many of them, I'd never get bought into that much. So yeah. I mean, I've never been bought into their narrative that much. If half the people I worked with did something other than the tributes they've done, I probably wouldn't have met them, and that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I get that. I get there's a, I get there's a place for, yeah, I get there's a place for the tribute bands and stuff. But yeah, there's just there's just always that wonder. But you know, I mean, I might have side projects and shit. You might get into the band and go, hey, check out my Let's other do, band. Man. Most, yeah. I mean, most of these people are like full time jobs and oh no no um, musical side projects as well. So you might be in you know your Queen tribute band, but then you're doing some. You know, you're doing some other stuff. It's like, you know, you've got your own punk band where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I do this for a bit of fun, but then, you know, I earn my money doing uh, drumming for Queen. Main thing is um, session, they're all mobilized by session musicians, a lot of them. Mm. Uh, professional session musicians. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that pulls a fucking wage. 
Mm, yeah, but yeah, tribute bands. Yeah, all all for them. Do do love them. Um, friends that haven't been there for um, didn't go last year. Can't remember why, but um, yeah, uh, Festwich in Manchester, badass. Always have a laugh there. Yeah, what? Uh, sorry, Festwich, Manchester. What's Festwich? It's dude. It's tribute band festival. Oh, I don't know. I only work. I only. I'm kind of like tunnel vision on tribute festivals. Yeah, no, 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 no. That one's that one's that one's good, mate. You pay your booking fee. Um, yeah. So loads of bands there and stuff. Um, on the same day last year, the last time I went, I did go to Macclesfield to see um, a Macklands tribute band actually as well. Gold. They, 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 oh god, I can't remember what the, the Macklands thing was. It. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, I judge a lot of tributes based on the, the names. Tribute bands' names are good, which is really annoying me why I can't remember that Sabbath and fucking Priest one. Yeah. I don't like it, because I don't like it when they they take it too seriously, like, oh, we're Electric Wizard. I know Electric Wizard are an actual band, but imagine calling <laughs> your, your Sabbath tribute an Electric Wizard, and you'd be like, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas you want ones that sort of sound... Uh, Sabbath, Sabbath, Ruddy Sabbath. That's what Sabbath, Sabbath, Ruddy Sabbath, yeah, that'd be a good one. If we yeah. uh, if we steal your tribute band name during this obvious bit where we're going to riff off a lot of uh, tribute band names that we'd see, then cool. uh, we apologise. Uh, yeah, you got Sabbath, Ruddy Sabbath. I think, oh god, I swear there was um, a Yorkshire one called Slipnote. Ha! Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I think they I, were. When, a... I, when I'm at open mic nights and I do Weezer songs, I just call myself Geezer. Yeah, Geezer. Yeah, that'd be a number. Yeah. It's that, that subtle letter change that makes it brilliant, like the Killers one called The Fillers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think of metal ones now. Yeah, what metal ones were there? Um, oh god, this is where we. This is where this podcast goes silent now, and it's just us. Oh, we're trying something. to think. That's yeah. fine. Brian Maiden. I know I've seen a Brian Maiden. Oh, there was yeah. There's Iron on Maiden in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. High on Maiden. High on Maiden. Yeah. There's fucking loads of those though, isn't there? Yeah, there's loads of those. I think there was one, uh, Metallica and Pantera, one called Pantalica. Yep. Yeah. That's probably neat from a bootleg. There's a bootleg where Jason Newstead comes out to play with Metallica. No, Metallica, yeah. sorry, with Pantera. And, and Selma goes, oh, we are Pantalica. And then they do. <laughs> we are goddamn Pantalica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like in our sort of universe, in the in the Blairverse, it's <laughs> almost completely ineligible. Illegible, even. No he, idea what you're saying. He's on the live, in the like the old live stuff when he's off his face, and that's what makes it brilliant. Where he's like, "God damn, fucking praying terror!" And just boom. This, this, I've got a great black question. There's a, a bootlegging career where um, they were playing floods, yeah. and um, in, the, in the lead up to the big solo, now do new me do we do Phil just goes, "Everybody smoke heroin." <laughs> Is that a bleh? I, I think that's a heck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, so Phil. F- Phil. Phil and his head, but yeah, keep keep off that shit, Phil. I did, I did a Spotify yeah. playlist called uh, Phil Anselmo, The Heroin Years, in which I decided it was about <laughs> 12 songs, which were just all like, this shit is dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we said, kids, um, like I said, don't, don't send poison and bombs in the past. Don't do heroin, kids. Don't ah. do heroin. So my my mate was now dead. Who was an ex junkie? Even said to me, he's like, "Don't do heroin, Dave. Just 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 don't, mate. Just, just don't." And then he sang "Run to the Hills" uh, in our in our cover band. He sang. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he did just recruit uh, the local drug dealer to uh, <laughs> he sing "Run to the Hills" when we were like thirteen. He, he was not a dealer. Um, and he did uh, "Urban Gorilla" by Hawkwind as well. Ah, yeah. Trebian, Trebian. Yeah. 
Yeah. There you go. Oh, you, c- you could get into a Hawkwind trip. It's like Falcon Wind, couldn't you? And so, yeah, like, Owl Wind. Hawk Blow. Hawk Blow. Hawk The thing is, though, you have to go full, full ham. So, any more Red Tribute has got to be uh, Lenny. Yeah. Len- Lenny Name Mister. Yeah. Yeah, Lenny Name Mister. Uh, you know, Motor Headache. Um, I don't know. Mo- Moped Head. No, that'd be like a mod version of uh, Motorhead songs, wouldn't it? So. What? How much do you know about Anthrax of the Disease? Is there an analogous disease you could just replace Anthrax with? I, I don't know because it's a sheep. Maybe you, it, you'd have to do something like the proper name for Mad Cow Disease, which is Crossed yeah. Jacob Disease. And it, no, it's not punchy, is it? It wouldn't work for a tribute band. No, it definitely won't work for a tribute band. And um, you know the, the shit. I wanted to start a Tenacious D tribute last year. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of it. The thing is, if you type in Tenacious D Tribute, the Tribute Bank's not going to come up. <laughs> You're at the so it was commercially yourself. unviable to do so. <laughs> My Tenacious D Tribute Band called Tribute. Oh, God. It wouldn't matter, because if, if, if you were like, ah, oh, what was that band's name? I don't know, but they were Tenacious D Tribute. You just got yeah. no chance, have you? No what? no audience retention. Yeah, what what would be the opposite of like tenacious? It'd just be sort of like giving up D. Yeah, yeah. Effortless um, D. Sloth D. Docile E. Docile E. <laughs> Lazy P. So, yeah, yeah. So, so that's a whole host of tribute guns. Right, Jim, I think we're going to have to wrap this up because I've got to go to jujitsu in a bit. I'll tell you what I fucking do. <laughs> you thought this was a democracy, well, that, well, but it isn't! One extremely quick last bit. Uh, I'm just like tagging this on at the end. Um, what you're doing like this week in terms of are you reading anything? Are you playing anything? Are you watching anything? Um, yes, I am reading uh, two books at the minute. I have started Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian as a nice uh, light summer read about the darkness that dwells within the soul <laughs> of every man. And I'm also blitzing my way through uh, Bernard Cornwell's um, Bernard Cornwell's account of Waterloo, which he wrote from the notes from um, Sharp's Waterloo, which also reminds me of one last thing before we go. Fall on hope, I've got some new T-shirts out. Oh, fucking yes. They have, updated their, they have updated their rifles shirt, so it is of a member of the 95th Rifles looking glorious, possibly with some dead Frenchman somewhere. I don't know. Fall on Hope are uh, a local band from Liverpool um, who basically modelled themselves after Sharp and the Bernard Cornwell novels. Yeah, just to have... save your time, I've been playing a shit ton of Dead by Daylight. Fucking <laughs> shit ton. It's uncouth how much I've been playing. It's basically um, it's basically uh, hide and seek, but there's four people and there's one killer, and you got to fix five generators to get out. Um, but the settings are always horror films, so you can have like Haddonfield, and then the killer is um, Michael Myers. Uh, and they all have different perks and things like that so you build up characters and you have different tasks well different kind of like strengths and things like that and you have to play as a team dynamic but I'm just fucking obsessed I'm going through a right horror film phase so this is kind of like scratching that itch big time good shit good shit that night where we watched Leprechaun obviously I set that all off I've deliberately not watched Leprechaun 2 because I thought I'd wait for you next time you're around (laughs) but there's eight of them there's eight of them and the last two are like uh, Leprechaun in the hood Leprechaun in the hood yeah yeah (laughs) can't wait can't wait awesome Right, I'll let you go then, mate. Cool, man, right. Um, so we'll see you next week when we have a... Uh... We'll see you next week. We've got an email at templeofbleh at uh, gmail.com. That's B-L-E-H. Also, the Twitter handle is um, templeofbleh as well. 
Uh, I'm a, I'm a Robert Jet, uh, spelt like Boba Fett. And you're not on Twitter, are you? I am. Uh, no, I'm not on Twitter because uh, Twitter is. Uh, no, I'm not going to diss it because we need to use that for a marketing purpose. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter's amazing. Yeah, go on Twitter. No shit, where you eating, yeah. mate? Uh, hey. <laughs> anyway, right. Okay, I'll let you crack on then, dude. Cool. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll see you. Uh, see you uh, Tuesday. Yep. Temple of Blood, Tuesday. In a bit. In a bit. Mm-hmm.